Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, including five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise! The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years! The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Good evening, Susan. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. White Feather and I went out for a walk today, and it rained upon us. We had both decided that the rain was gone. Really, it was sunny and beautiful. In fact, while it was raining, it was sunny and beautiful. <laughs> it was like, okay, mm-hmm. right, it's raining while the sun is shining. Sure, it must be the Catskills. So we got really wet. Yeah. That was fun, you know, it's fun on a May day to get really wet and to walk out and see all of the flowers. And Justine and I went out yesterday and we made lots and lots and lots of videos. We went up to the dwarf ginseng patch. 
and made a video about that, and we went to the Coptus, and we made a video about that because it's in bloom. It's so pretty in bloom. And Justine's such a good mm. video. And we went to the ramps patch, and we had a little video about the, the story of the ramps, the seven women who loved ramps, and what happened to them. Um, so we just mm-hmm. had, a, you know, of course, Monica Jean was with us. We had a wonderful time. What's been up with you? Yeah. Um, I've been trying to get out into my garden as much as possible. I've been, I started a bunch of stuff from seeds, so just kind of like up potting a bunch of little plants and um, getting my garden going, starting a new garden here, of course, so it's like, it's quite the project, and the woman that lived here before had introduced some horsetail in the yard, so that's kind of like my <laughs> big oh, project at the moment. Oh, <laughs> oh talk about invasive. Uh, there is a place oh in Woodstock. Um, um, it was called the the Bradley Meadow, and people really liked the Bradley Meadow, and they were really upset when this developer put a little strip mall in. And so for years, the horsetail that grew in that wet meadow would just break up the parking lot every spring, and everybody who was upset about the strip mall was kind of like going <laughs> behind their hands. Nature is taking her revenge. <laughs> Yeah, I guess those roots go really, really deep. There's like no way to to get rid of them. So right up through <laughs> the asphalt, it was amazing to see what that horsetail would do. Yeah, it's powerful, but it lets yeah. other plants grow. You have to like kind of manage it and make sure that it doesn't like, uh, you know, it's because because it, the roots are so deep. Like you can plant stuff. I think kind of on top of it is what I've been seeing so far. I hope that's true. I hope it. <laughs> Okay, so it kind of comes up, it's, does its spring thing, and then dies back. So you yeah, can right up. now it's pretty lush, but I've yeah, it's I don't know. We'll see what happens here. So you think maybe you could put like tomatoes or squashes or things like that, things that share. Nicely. Yeah, because there's some raised that are that are that have some right. you know really nice soil on top and stuff. So yeah. However, if the horse yeah. is happy, it means the soil is wet. Yeah, we had a really, really wet spring, and now it's um, it's we haven't had any rain for a couple of weeks, so it's drying out pretty quick. But I think all that moisture, like again, because it's so deep under there, it's it's probably pretty happy still. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mhm. We're yeah. gonna have so. a witch on the show tonight. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. I've been reading some of her books. Yeah. Oh, tell me. I haven't read her book. Are you re- reading her latest book, Wicca? Yeah, I have that. And those it's just like a really practical, easy to use, lots of information about, you know, creating ceremony and ritual. And it's it's really good for any of the, you know, kind of beginning witches out there and maybe even practicing, you know, like it just has lots of good ideas for ritual. And then um, her other book that's a, an older book is The Book of Shadows. That is, and it's um, a novel, and it's like a true story about her life and kind of introduction into witchcraft. And it's really interesting, and it talks about, you know, the circles, and, like, it even goes into detail about some of the practices that they have in circle with a, a group of women and some of the meditations that they do that are really powerful. And I actually did one in one of my circles, and it was, it was really powerful. And, um, yeah, yeah, so... And that's Phyllis Corot. She's going to be with us at 9 o'clock. So come back or stay with us until then. I went to Marie's memorial 
on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. And mm-hmm. it was very moving. And it was even more moving because there were women there who were with Marie in her last days. And what they did in those last days was to plan this memorial service. And Marie decided wow. which, which of her chants she wanted sung and when and who she wanted to lead the chant. And um, then as they were, you know, emptying out her house, they found um, a writing called The Priestess of Grief. And for many years, Marie taught grief and grieving workshops at the Wise Woman Center. So it was mm-hmm. so beautiful the way it all came together. And I wanted to mention it, but one of the things that really made me remember it was that we were at a Unitarian Universalist church. And this ritual was introduced by introducing Marie as a witch. She was, in fact, a high priestess of the goddess. She, you know, I initiated her as a high priestess. And, um, and then this, Wic- this Wiccan ritual was done right there in the Unitarian Universalist Church. Hmm. So that was a lovely thing to participate in and to be part of and to see the all, you know, the many different people who came together in Marie's life and who were willing to um, respect her choice of being a witch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sounds really beautiful to to be to be a part of that. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. So, a chance yes. that we. Saying that you would know, we sang "Let It In, Let It Go." Of course, why? <laughs> How could you not? At a memorial for someone who's recently uh, left us, "Let It In, Let It Go." Round and round we flow. And yeah, uh, I imagine. Yeah. and of course we sang Marie's theme song. She walks with snakes. Hmm. Do you care to share? Well, as Marie uh, told us, her mother wanted very, very much to get pregnant, was having a hard time getting pregnant. And she was Catholic. And she went to the her local church, and she said, Mary, blessed among women, mother of Jesus, I want to be a mother. If you will help me be pregnant, I will name my child after you. Mario, if it's a boy, Marie, if it's a girl. And thus we know it was a girl because this girl was named Marie. And so throughout her childhood, it was always, oh, you are the blessed of your mother. Marie blessed her, and you're the blessed, you know. And she, as any child would, hated it. It wasn't until she apprenticed with me and was instructed that she had to have a goddess archetype, that she began to realize that she had a goddess archetype. And so she started going to different Catholic churches and looking at different versions of Mary. And she realized, 
She walks with snakes, she stands on the moon. She walks with snakes, she stands on the moon. She walks with snakes, she stands on the moon. A Mary, 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 Mary stands on the moon. Touch me with your hands of light. Crown of stars to bless the night. Mother Mary, give me sight that I may see. She walks with snakes, she stands on the moon. She walks with snakes, she stands on the moon. She walks with snakes, she stands on the moon. A merry, 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 What are we going to do without you? Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. That's amazing. Of course, it was Marie Summerwood who put me up to doing the goddess chance for the 25th anniversary of the Wise Woman Center. Mm -hmm. She said, it's the 25th anniversary of the Wise Woman Center. She said, good, you'll make a CD in celebration. I said, I don't know how to make a CD. And she said, you'll figure it out as we do it. She was really the pusher, the mover, (laughs) and the shaker behind that whole thing. She has several CDs out. So we honor Marie Summerwood. And what will we do without her? We will continue to sing her chants is what we'll do without her. And I honor the place that she has in in my life and in my teaching and how important her chants are to me. And I feel so blessed Mm -hmm. she allowed me to initiate her as a high priestess. Thank you. Thank you, Lady Beauty. Mm. Yes. Rest in peace, Marie. Rest in power. (laughs) Rest in power, absolutely. Her wonderful mm-hmm. chants will go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Do we have anybody with any right. questions tonight? We do. And I'll remind the callers to press 1 if you have a question for Susan. And our first caller is coming from a private phone number. Hello. Hi. Hello, Susan. How are you? Enjoying this beautiful day. That's great. So, Susan, I have a question. Um, I had a bit of an incident a couple of days ago. Uh, Somebody's child fell on me. I was actually doing an asana. I was doing the child pose, and somebody, well, obviously accidentally dropped their child, and the child fell on my head. So, basically, and I've just been feeling a bit off. Of course, it's only been about a day and a half. So I just... How how old is a child? I think it was about two. I didn't know the person, and they kind of just said it was an accident, and they walked away before I could gather myself. So I I didn't have a chance. I didn't even know... Yeah. I'm sorry. So... Mm. Yeah. So... Let me ask you... Do you believe that things are made of atoms? Yeah. So your head is made of atoms? Sure. (laughs) And the child is made of atoms? Yes. Everything we see in the material world is made of atoms, so far as we know. Mm Mm-hmm. And atoms themselves are composed of 
electrons, protons, and neutrons, right? That's right. And we have the protons and the neutrons in the nucleus, and then the electrons are swirling around the outside. Mm-hmm. That's right. If you were to put the nucleus of an atom in a football stadium on the 50-yard line, mm-hmm. you would not see any electrons within the football stadium. Mm-hmm. They're that far away from the nucleus. So atoms are mostly space, aren't they? Yes. All right. Your head is made of atoms. That child is made of atoms. Atoms are mostly space. Mm-hmm. Right now, what your body mind is doing is endlessly running a film strip of that child falling on your head and smashing into you. Mm-hmm. We want to replace that mm-hmm. with a repeating film strip of that child falling through you. Mm-hmm. There was no impact. The atoms of that child are falling through the atoms of your head. Okay. Bring yourself to that place, and your body will stop reacting as though there were an impact. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. I have this um, meditation um, which I call it meditation to remove trauma um, in my new book, written out in my new book. And it's also part of the um, video course that's based on the book. So I actually, um, in the Abundantly Well video course at teachable.com, I actually sit there and work with an imaginary person going through this as I've just gone through it with you, but in more detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when is your new book coming out? I, I think it's it's going to be phenomenal, as, as all your other books are. But Thank you. It's this. due out October this year. Okay, perfect. Right. We're thinking, so of, it, starting, we're thinking of starting pre-sales uh, probably the beginning of June. Oh. So we just, we're just discussing. On your website, right? We're going to we do can... that. But, but, yeah, we'll let you know okay. once we start pre-selling the book. So in the meantime, is it okay? I took some hypericum tincture, rubbed hypericum oil. Great idea. I love that. A really good idea, yes. Drinking comfrey infusions for the next week or two consistently instead of alternating other infusions. I'm just going to do consistently comfrey. Is that okay? That's okay, but nothing's really broken. I don't think you really need to do that much comfrey. You can. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay. You don't need to. You might want to consider taking a little skull cap. Okay. That's the one thing I was thinking, but then I took hypericum instead. So They, um, they love each other. Yes, they do. So you, okay, you, so I... Lavish amount of hypericum and just a drop or two of skull cap. Okay. The ones I have, the skull cap is from dried flowers, so I think I'll have to multiply the dose by 10 or 20 times, right? I think you're right, yes. So take a dropper full. It's okay. Okay. All right. And... Um, I just have one more thing, and that is, what is your take on drinking whole milk? Because that's what I drink. Um, it's pasteurized because that's the only thing we get here. We cannot get raw milk. Um, 
What are your thoughts on that and breast uh, health? Because I also eat My a lot of... My thoughts on it come from a dairy scientist who told me that when you take the fat away from the milk, that the body can't utilize the minerals in the milk. Okay. And she felt that the the whole thing of uh, producing low-fat and skim milk was uh, really ripping people off and that milk should only ever be whole. Whole milk, yogurt, and whole milk. And I have found in my travels um, that there are always ways to get raw milk. Of course it's illegal. It's considered more dangerous than heroin in the United States, strangely enough. Um, But nonetheless, there are always cows. And um, so maybe just, you know, put it out in your thoughts that if you want to connect with raw milk, that you will meet somebody who will know somebody and before the year is out that you will find that connection. There's a protein protein in milk that's used to make glue. That's used to make, pardon me? It's used to make glue. Remember, oh. remember Elmer's glue with the cow on it? Mm-hmm, that's right. That's why there's a cow on it, because that glue is made from a protein in milk. And that protein in milk becomes glue when you heat it. Oh. And this is okay. one of the reasons that people don't like pasteurized milk. Now, modern milk, so long as it's not ultra-pasteurized, is usually flash-pasteurized, and so it's apparently easier. Mm-hmm. Well, I do take unhomogenized home milk, so I, I think it's a shade better than the homogenized variety, but uh, still it's, it's, it's not the best. So, But as well, far as breast Homogenized merely means that the fat molecules have been broken up into small enough size for you, can eat, for you to easily digest. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it just comes rises to the top, right, the traditional exactly. And that also yeah. indicates that the fat is in large molecules, which are more difficult for your body to break down. Oh, do you mean the unhomogenized variety? Yeah. Okay. No, it's just because um, what happened was that when I was reading, I came across several studies because, um, you know, they said that when they've done studies across the board, it's better for women um, to take low-fat milk if for breast health, and I was like, no, but that totally contradicts what um, you know what you've written, in, and I trust you over any thing out there. So I was like, well, it just doesn't make sense, you know. And uh, certainly, course, the, the science on very low-fat diets for women who are breast cancer survivors is pretty strong. Mm-hmm, that's right. Right. And, and and most of the science for low-fat diets, which would mean, you know, low-fat milk, skim milk, is for women who have survived a breast cancer diagnosis. That's the, right. The science on a low-fat diet preventing breast cancer is very sketchy to non-existent. That's right, and also very vague. Like they just touch upon it. They don't. They, it's not. It's not properly controlled trials. You're absolutely right. So I was like, it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make just, sense in terms of prevention, but it 
could make sense if you're a breast cancer survivor. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so for now, I'll just stick with the whole fat yogurt and whole, whole fat milk and put out there that I come in contact with someone who can get me some raw milk. There you go. Thank you so much. You're so always. welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Yes, you. Thank you. Can I just have you looked at the Real Milk website? You might be able to find somebody on there too. But is that, Rebecca, is that only for, for the States or is that for Canada as well? Oh, is that for Canada as well? I'm not sure. I think that the, it's international, though. Pretty okay, sure. so it's called but, Real Milk? Uh, yeah, realmilk.com. Okay, thank you. And also, just while I have you on the phone, what is your website if we want to order herbs from you? Because, you know, I was looking for some fresh poke root, and you had said so, but I don't, I don't know how to, you know. Well, I don't sell herbs. Never no, have. sorry, Susan. I was just asking Rebecca. Well. Oh, Rebecca. I'm sorry. Okay, I did. I wasn't sure who you were oh, asking. Sorry, I I was it's just asking Etsy. Rebecca. Yes, and tell us it's, your. Yeah, Etsy. you can. Um, yeah, it's www.etsy.com backslash shop backslash nourish wholeness. And um, for Canada, you you can send me a, a private message of what you want, and I can uh, calculate your shipping separately. So, okay, but that would still be true Etsy. Yes. Mhm. Oh. Unless I thought maybe you have your own website or something. Not at this point. Okay. Easier to no do way. it on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you ever so much. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Let's see. Um, I forgot to read. I, to, I told a woman that I would read a question that she had written in, um, and she's in France, if you don't mind taking that, Susan. Certainly. Okay. So it says, um, I drink nourishing herbal infusions and loving them. My rotation is more one to two herbs a week than all five. I haven't seen a doctor with regards to this problem yet. I am thinking about doing it, though, hence asking Susan for now. I don't seem to have any other symptoms than my brain, my brain's feeling shaken. I think other associated symptoms could be blurred vision and ear problems and motion sickness. I am not actually worried for the short term. I am thinking in terms of body fatigue from prolonged exposure. I travel long distances often these days, generally by train across the UK and France, and no problems in trains. I was noticing how much transports have improved compared to what I remember from my youth. I'm 37, so this is encouraging. I am actually a vibration engineer using my skills for building structures rather than the human body. I did some preliminary research into whole body vibration induced by cycling for my master's research a few years ago, shortly after I had my first prolonged headache. I am looking to start this research again and make it my main occupation for the next few years. If some of your listeners wanted to share similar stories with me, I would welcome them. And she did write um, something. Okay. She said she's getting more sensitive to vibrations in her brain from traveling in cars, planes, and cycling. Generally, generally in the car and plane journeys, I feel sleepy within a few minutes and cannot stay awake 
After a journey, my brain will often still feel well shaken for days. And she had a severe headache from cycling, and this was reversed by cycling the same journey. Okay, but yeah, so I think that's pretty much it. fascinating to me that people write about things that really require me to talk to them. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't have anywhere near enough information about what's going on. To recap, recap, she's a vibrational engineer. She herself is very sensitive to vibrations. She's been getting more and more sensitive to vibrations. She gets headaches, and she gets sleepy. And the vibration of... Going faster than walking, even bicycling, can be difficult for her. Mm-hmm. There's so much to ask here. Talking with her, I would also have an opportunity to experience the tone and the quality of her voice. And through that, to experience a little bit of her energy, which would help me to understand where this fits in her energy pattern and how she might change the pattern if that's what she wants. Just the facts laid out we could throw darts at a dartboard. It could be this. It could be that. It could be the other thing. But that doesn't seem extremely useful to me. Mm-hmm. My, the best thing that I could say by way of advice to this woman is do your best to accommodate this. Don't push it away from you. Let it be. I understand that it feels uncomfortable and difficult. On the other hand, if you're not driving, it's certainly fine to sleep in a car, and many of us have slept in cars, and many of us have taken babies to put them to sleep in cars when they're particularly fussy because there is something about the vibration of a car that makes one sleepy. So again, I don't see this as something out of bounds or something that it would lead to a health problem. 
I fly on airplanes. I look around me. I see as many people sleeping on airplanes. And there's all kinds of special equipment sold to prop up your neck and, and so on to make it easier to sleep on airplanes. It's certainly not fun to have a headache. And we were just talking about skull caps. And so perhaps an alliance with Skullcap would begin to help you open to the benefit of your special gift and to relieve the pain of the headache at the same time. For more than that, I would really need to talk to this woman. Okay. We'll see if you can call in from France. And I know. It's far over there. It would be the middle of the night. I completely understand. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go to the next caller for now. Coming from the 845 area code. Eight four five. That's just around the corner from me. Hello, eight four five. Come in. Oh, hello. Hi, hi. Um, hi, Susan. How are you? I'm well, and you? Oh, pretty good. Um, I'm wanted to ask you about um, vinegar uh, for tinctures and what your thoughts about that were. Vinegar does not make a tincture. Vinegar makes a vinegar. And vinegars are wonderful. I have ate a lot of vinegars, and I make a lot of vinegars, and I use a lot of vinegars, but they aren't tinctures, and they'll never be tinctures. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so let's be clear. The amount of tincture that we take is very, very tiny. It's usually to be taken in water. And I work with people who are alcoholics who are not drinking, some of whom have not been drinking for 25, 30 years, and they have no problem with tinctures as long as they take them in water, as I always advise, or any other liquid. I've also worked with people whose religion says they cannot drink alcohol, and the religion is very clear. They don't drink alcohol, but they can take medicine. So taking a tincture is not drinking alcohol. It's not drinking alcohol for an alcoholic, and it's not drinking alcohol for anyone whose religion says for them not to drink alcohol. So tinctures made with alcohol are just fine for everybody. Alcohol allows us to extract from the plant complicated molecules that usually have very strong effects on the body. Vinegar rarely extracts these molecules. Vinegar does an excellent job of extracting minerals from plants. Yes, that's that's why I was asking. But alcohol doesn't. Right. So that that's what I was asking right. about for um a lot of the spring uh vegetation right now seems to be mineral rich and I know a lot of people do make tinctures out of them but I started thinking <clears throat> so what kind maybe of, I should make what some kind of thing veg- vegetation do people make tinctures of? Oh, okay. Um nettles. I don't make a tincture of nettle. I don't know people who make tinctures of nettle. Tincture of nettle would be pointless. Really? 
Okay, yeah. but I'm, I'm all right. I mean, uh, vinegars. Well, let's be clear what we're talking about here. <laughs> a tincture is a tincture. It's made with alcohol. Right. No, I'm asking about vinegars for the okay, mineral. Okay, well, you just said minerals. you saw lots of people making tinctures with fresh plant material, and you thought maybe you would make vinegars instead. Yes. Maybe I misheard you. I, I thought you asked me what kind of tinctures and people were making. And then I asked what kind of tinctures people were making with spring greens, because mm-hmm. I know of people who tincture spring greens. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I'm I'm thinking um I want to do something. So I, I I was just thinking maybe I should just do so a let's vinegar. Talk more specifically, what plants are we okay. talking? Yeah. Uh the spring greens right now. Um we we have uh we have nettles, we have dandelion. You're making nettle uh, nettle soup. Well, soup, soup, yeah, soup, soup is nice, but I, I was thinking about some, something that might oh last the test of time, you know. Well, nettle soup in the freezer certainly lasts the test of time. Okay, but what about extracting the the minerals? I mean, I know eating is always best, but well, I drop the nettle into boiling water. I boil it for an hour, then I let it sit for a couple of hours, then I boil it for another hour, and then I freeze it. Really, like, you really like to cook those greens. Is that is that what gets out the minerals? Yes, the what cooking? gets the minerals out? That's why you cook it so long. Oh, that's what gets minerals. My mom decided she wanted to be cremated after she was dead. If I had a do-over, I would argue with her about it. But I didn't know I would I didn't want her to do that until after it happened. Anyhow, after she was cremated, that means she was burned at a very high temperature for quite a long time. They brought me what remained of my mom, and what remained was her ashes, which is her minerals. Minerals. Oh, you know what? I did that with my dog, and I didn't want it. I did. I wanted a burial as well, but it it it, it turned out um, that this is what happened, <laughs> and um, they're all white. They're 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 white like pearls, like from There's the no ocean. way to destroy minerals by cooking. So, so sometimes when you burn things, they're not white though; they're 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 black. That's char. I'm not suggesting you burn your greens. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm suggesting that you cook them and that you cook them to extract minerals. And okay, I'm so making, does the minerals. you know, perhaps the now. the macabre um, <laughs> connection <laughs> that one way you can tell that you can't destroy minerals is that if you cremate someone, which is an extremely hot fire, you will burn them to ashes. You won't char them because the fire is so hot. But I'm not suggesting that you char or burn your greens. I'm suggesting that you cook them. So I cook nettle soup throughout the year. I have a patch, which I harvest, and I can harvest it over and over and over again to make nettle soup. And then I let the nettle get bigger, but not so big that it has flower buds, and I cut right. it, dry it for making infusion. Oh, so as long as you keep cutting it and keeping it like below the knee, then it, that's a, a, a safe. Uh, you can yeah all year round. Powering, you can okay. use. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Well, what but about, the, what so about I don't I, I don't make nettle vinegar and I don't make nettle tincture, and I don't make nettle vinegar because what I want from a vinegar is a bold and blatant taste. 
We just harvested. There's a lot of garlic mustard in my gardens this year. Uh, I mean, I a lot garlic of garlic mustard, mustard in my yeah. garden. And we harvested um, three pounds of garlic mustard greens. We probably harvested uh-huh. about six pounds of garlic mustard altogether. Because, of course, we took the stalks and the roots off before we even weighed the greens. Mm-hmm. The stalks went to the rabbits. The roots I made a vinegar of. Because oh. the root is mineral rich and it's a horseradishy flavor. It's very, very good. And then we yeah, cook, yeah. we cooked the greens and whatever greens we don't eat, um, if I've harvested more and we need to cook more, will again go in the freezer. Right. So the vinegar is probably really good for roots. I'm picturing this. Yeah, so I so that's why I'm asking you what spring greens. Now you could make a vinegar of onion grass or garlic grass. We make garlic scape vinegar. That comes on a, along a little later in the year. I do live in an area where a lot of garlic is grown. In order to get the garlic bulb, you have to keep it from flowering. And that's called yeah, the garlic I like the scape. Yeah. Right, and that's cut off. And then we chop that up and make a vinegar of that. That's really good. Mm. Right. So, you see, I like vinegars that have bold flavors. Like yeah. mint, like mint vinegars, that, right? That's great. Yes, thyme vinegar, rosemary vinegar, and the mints are quite rich in minerals. And so, since we're not using them as infusions, it's a good way to get the minerals from the mints. Mm, that does sound good. That does sound good. Um, I was thinking some I was of those mints are up right now. So if you're low yeah. on vinegars, you could. Um, you know, make catnip vinegar. The catnip is well up and, and started. Um, the ground ivy is blooming, and that makes a lovely vinegar. Now, I do make vinegars from all the parts of dandelion. I often say that dandelion is the world's most generous and forgiving plant. Any part of dandelion, harvested any day of the year and prepared in any way, will make a good remedy. So mm-hmm. I make dandelion flower vinegar, oh, which has such a lovely dandelion flower taste. And dandelion leaf vinegar, which is great to take before meals to aid in digestion. And even dandelion root vinegar, which is good in marinades and heavier things. Yeah, yeah. I like the sound of the roots in there. Yeah. And and not to be uh, macabre, but um, I have also eaten the ashes of of the uh, cremation. In something or just meat? What? Baked in something or just a spoonful? Um, no, just uh, right off the spoon. It was kind of weird. Now you are very strongly connected to that person. Um, y- yeah, somebody said that that's what they they wanted, that they wanted that. It, it wasn't like, you know, uh, like let's have pudding kind of a thing. It was more the like... The um, person yeah. whose ashes you were eating had requested that. Yeah. Yeah, and I've, I I often look at my dog's ashes, and I'm I'm looking, and I'm like, they look good. Like, yeah, <laughs> really mineral rich, like mineral rich, right? What I suggest 
if you don't <laughs> want to keep them around is that you eat them by scattering them in your garden. Yeah, that actually is what I plan to do. Yeah. yeah. Because they will become part of the soil, and then the plants will make themselves out of that soil, and then you'll eat the plants, and so you will have eaten the ashes in a rather roundabout way. Yeah, they're kind of rocky anyway, uh, you know. Uh, bony. Yeah, bony, toothy, that kind of thing. Curly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, thanks for your question tonight. Conversation. Thank okay. you. Green blessings. Okay. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 724 area code. Hello. Hello. Hello, I can hear you. What's up with you tonight? Hi, Susan. Hi. How are you? I am doing well, and you? I'm doing well. Um, I have two questions for you if you have the time. I the do. first one is um, I was wondering what, if anything, I could lather on my 13-month-old when we are going out in the sun during the day for longer periods of time. The oil of Hypericum perforatum. Okay. I find it a highly effective sunscreen. It does need to be replied a little more frequently than chemical sunscreens. What what would you recommend for how how often I should apply it for him? Well, it depends somewhat on how hot it is, how much sweat is going on, how much jumping in swimming pools is going on, and actual exposure there is. You probably already know that there is sun shield clothing that you can get for children. Yes. Yes, and that's probably worth it if you're going to be in a very exposed place. Okay. It's sure- I wasn't I wasn't sure about that stuff. I I I wasn't I don't know much about it. I've seen it, um but I wasn't sure like what was in the material that made it. Isn't anything in the material, it's just a type. Okay. Okay. It's not a chemical. Okay, that was my concern that there might be some sort of strange chemical concoction. No, there's in there. no chemical at all. It's just that the material is woven tightly enough to keep the sun's rays out. Okay, so that should be effective then for them. Yes, very effective. And I know a lot of parents who use it because they don't want to use sunscreen. Oh, wonderful. Rebecca, did you use Hypericum oil with your boys, and do you still? Oh, yeah, we use that and also the sun protective clothing, too, and hats. And, yeah, yeah, my kids, uh, and we try to not keep them in the sun for for long periods of time. Well, that, that is what I've been trying, too, just because he's, you know, still pretty little, but I just realized earlier we were on a walk and it was longer than expected and, you know, the sun was beating down and I was just thinking on the way home, you know, for times where we're out a little bit longer than usual, I feel like there should be something. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's You can good. put the hypericum oil on that. afterwards as well. Okay. It will help protect the skin even afterwards. Oh, that's good to know. 
Yeah. Okay, well, that is wonderful. Thank you very much for that. And my next question is, um, I was wondering if there was anything you could recommend. Um, I still have some lingering postpartum anxiety um, going on, even at 13 months. And um, I don't feel depressed or anything, but still lots of anxiety. And I was wondering if there was anything you could recommend for that for me. Well, first of all, I think it's very reasonable to be anxious. It's a huge amount to expect of anyone to be a mother. And anyone who is faced with being a mother, I think it, it, that, uh, that if they really you know, understand what's going on, it is going to make them anxious. So I, I, I want to say it's okay that you're anxious, first off, that it's not a defect or a problem. It's a, a really daunting task to raise a child and to really be there for that child in the ways that we want to be. There are three herbs in the mint family that are used to relieve anxiety. My favorite among the three is motherwort. Now that could be because I live in a place where motherwort grows very freely and very easily. And so I tincture the flowering tops of motherwort and I find it a wonderful ally for relieving anxiety. It can be taken right at the time when we're feeling anxious, or it can be taken more as a general tonic to help overall relieve anxiety. Lemon balm, another mint, is considered to be just as good as motherwort in relieving anxiety. I don't like it as much because eh, just one of those little personal picadillos. I don't like much like lemon balm. And I like lemon grass. I like lemon verbena. I don't much like lemon balm. Uh, but that's okay. You don't have to like every plant. Nobody has to like every plant. And lavender, which we all love, um, has also been used both as tea and tincture to help relieve anxiety. So whatever mint, lavender does not grow very easily for me. It says, Ketska Winters, excuse me, please. I live in the Mediterranean area. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't use a lot of lavender either because I can't grow it. But that's what's fun about herbs is that there's a lot of herbs that may offer the same benefit. And they grow better in different places on the planet so that we all have access to those great herbal remedies. Now, I do have dried lemon balm. I guess I could make a tea. That would be the best way to, to take the lemon balm would be tea. You could make a tea of lemon balm. Okay. It, not necessarily the best way to do it, but it's certainly a way to do it. Which okay. If you have a lemon balm plant and they're extremely easy to grow, you could tincture some of that lemon balm this year. Okay. And try taking some of the tincture. And, and catnip, that is compatible. A catnip, also so easy to grow and which is already up and doing well, says, hey, you know, I may not be as, like, flat, flashy as lavender and lemon balm and motherwort, but I also get the job done. And remember that I, catnip, am especially helpful for people who are not only anxious, but have a hard time focusing. Okay. And how would you recommend taking the catnip tincture? Catnip tincture. Again, okay. any of these can be made into teas. If it works for you as a tea, no problem, but you might also want to make and or try the tincture. 
It's the okay, tincture I... is easier to carry around with you, right? It's hard to say, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to go make a cup of tea. Right. Right, especially when I'm out of the house. Um, I do when have... When you're out of the house, when the baby's screaming, or whatever's going on, it's just easier to have a tincture bottle with you. I do have motherwort tincture, but it is dried um, mm-hmm. from the dried plant. And I was wondering maybe that's why I didn't have too much success with it while I was pregnant. Maybe I wasn't taking enough since it was dried. Quite possibly. Okay. And um, all, all four of those herbs that you mentioned, are they all compatible with um, breastfeeding? If you don't mind increasing your milk supply. Okay. Not what I'm really looking to do right now, but I'll take it if I have to. There you go. Mints are known for increasing the milk supply and calming colic. They're quite okay. Oh, I wish I would have asked you that question eight months ago. Then. Eight months ago, right. They're very active in the digestive system, even for colicky adults. Okay. All of the mints. Everything in the mint family, absolutely. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and one one last question for you. Since since right now, like I said, the the mother wrote, um, what, skull cap is a mint. Is it a mint as well? It is. the The difficulty with skull cap is that its primary effect is to make people go to sleep. Okay. So it may not be such a good remedy for use during the middle of the day. Okay. And people. People are more or less affected in that way by it. I can, in a situation where I'm feeling anxious, get up in the morning and take like two or three drops of skullcap and not feel sleepy. Okay, but for me, that that but might usually be very, very tired. And is that people use it for anxiety that comes on when they lay down to go to sleep? Okay. You know, the some people are fine about- all day long, and then they lay down to go to sleep, and suddenly their mind is filled with what ifs and I should haves and all kinds of things that make them anxious. And Skullcap is wonderful for getting through that. Okay. The only reason I asked about that is because that's one of the only tinctures that I have that's made from fresh plant yeah. material, so I thought it might be a little stronger. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, I will give the, the catnip and the lemon balm a try then and try to get my hands on some fresh motherwort um, in a couple months and tincture that rather than using the dried. Thank you very much. You are welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Have a good one. The next caller is coming from the 252 area code. Hi, this is Jen. Um, I am making tincture and had a question because I've never made hawthornberry tincture before. I ordered hawthornberries. I have a pound of them and I have 100 proof vodka and I didn't know with the berry, are you filling like you are with the plant material to the top of the jar or halfway or I felt like maybe filling all the way didn't leave a whole lot of room for the menstruum. So I was calling to see what you thought. The problem with filling your jar all the way to the top with dried plant material and then putting a liquid on it is that the dried plant material is going to do what? It's going to grow. (laughs) Correct. Hola. It's going to swell up, and then you will arrive in your kitchen to find a broken bottle of vodka all over the counter and lots of 
Thornberry's skittering across the floor. Okay. okay. So that tells me. So you've <laughs> got to leave room for those berries to expand. Okay. I usually figure that most plants are 25 to 35% solid and the rest liquid. Okay. So when you dry a plant, you're going to lose at least two-thirds of the weight of it. Okay. If you dry four ounces of nettle, you'll get four ounces of fresh nettle. You get one ounce of dried nettle. Okay. So I usually fill my jar 25 to 35% full. Okay. Of the plant material and then put my liquid in there, and I'm not worried if the plant material doesn't swell up enough to get all the way to the top of the tree. Okay. Because, especially with roots, it won't swell up that much. It's not going to. That makes a good, really good, strong tincture. With the hawthorn berries, it does swell up almost up to the top of the jar from a one-third right. fill. With the, because it's a berry and because it's dried, I'm looking at a year. Is that what you think that I should... What I say to what I say to people is, if you get a pound, put up four quart jars, okay. or three quart yeah. jars and two pints, and after six okay. weeks, you can start using the first quart of the first pint, and let but put them all up so that you have some then that will eventually be a year old, right? Okay. Yeah. And if you're going to yeah. be taking it long term then keep making more, you'll get a sense of how long it takes you to go through a court. And when you want or need to put up more so that you'll always have Hawthorne tincture that's a year old. Okay. It will easily take, right? Yeah. 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 Very. Okay. It's not like you're going to make a gallon of tincture and have to sit there twiddling your thumbs for a year. And that's what that's what I've been doing. So thank you for that. Exactly. The so so you use can, some smaller bottles in 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 that that can be opened and started with and worked with for the first six or eight yeah. months. Even okay. after six weeks, it's still you know going to be have some effect. But I okay. do prefer the tincture after it's set for a year. It's true. Okay. Alrighty. Um, can I ask another quick plant question? Just Rebecca, can she that? ask an, another question? Julie? Um, we have quite a few callers still. Then no, don't worry about it. Um, All righty. This is this can wait. Another Thank time. you very much. Good blessings. Okay. Good night. Bye. Okay. All right. The next caller is coming from an eight four five number. Hello there. Hi. Evening. Okay. Um, gum disease. I've had it for about forty years. And I'm 50 years old now, so this has had quite a time to cook. So I've had multiple gum surgeries, and all the periodontists are telling me that I still have gum pockets after all this, and they're between 5 and 10 millimeters. So I've done lots of holistic stuff, I think. I think my oral hygiene is pretty good, and my diet is pretty good. But um, they just keep telling me that I have pockets, and at this point, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should just resign myself to slowly losing my teeth. Well, will you tell me a little bit um, 
when you say that your dental hygiene is good, when you are there ever times when you brush your teeth where there's blood? No, I mean, there's there's no more blood, and I used to have bad breath, and that's pretty good. So I think there's been improvement. But every okay, time that's something good to me, too. Um, so I would say, no, you don't have to resign yourself to, to losing your teeth. Do you use, at this point, do you use yarrow tincture as part of your oral hygiene? No, but I'll write it down. Okay. That's yarrow. That's achillea millifolium. And yarrow tincture is pretty, pretty easy to get. It doesn't matter a lot whether it's made from the fresh or the dried material for what we're talking about it here. I always prefer tinctures made from fresh plant material. But if all you can get is yarrow tincture made from dried yarrow, it, it will work just fine. Okay. So do you A woman or do that um, I've been talking with for a few months um, was told by a periodontist that she had a pocket that was tin and that the tooth was compromised and that probably the best thing to do was to pull the tooth. Mm-hmm. And that's she, what they're telling you. Yeah, and she started using yarrow tincture, and I suggested she see if she could find a blunt needle applicator. Okay. It looks like a syringe. It has like the working body of a syringe so that you can draw liquid up into it and then squeeze it out. But instead of a pointed needle or a straight needle, it has a blunt needle, which is in the shape of an L. And, of course, it's very fine. And it allows you to dip that L into the pocket and to squirt yarrow tincture down into the pocket. So you're injecting it into the pocket is what you're saying. Well, you're not – yeah, but you're not, like, piercing anything. You're just slipping it into the pocket that's already there. Okay. Right. And that pocket is now three after six weeks. Okay. So I have seen in many people that the yarrow can really close those up. And it does seem to be important, especially at the beginning, if there's a deep bucket, to get some way to get the yarrow in. Because otherwise it will just sit at the surface. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you've done a lot of really good surface work, which is not in any way to put you down. I'm not using surface as bad. Um, that everything you can reach, you're reaching. But that maybe the year, maybe the yarrow with this kind of applicator can help you reach a little deeper into there. The yarrow can also be used as a dentifrice, so just some yarrow tincture put on the toothbrush and used to brush the teeth. So you're not saying to take it internally, you're saying brush I am teeth not teeth. saying to take it internally, no. Okay, don't do it. I'm okay saying to use yarrow on your toothbrush, to use it as a mouthwash, and to use it as an application into those deep pockets. Okay. If you're using it as a mouthwash and a dentifrice, that is going to get into a pocket that's three or four or even five. But the deeper ones, it can't get down into the bottom of that pocket. Yarrow is a really incredible anti-infective agent. There is mm-hmm. list of uh, bacteria 
that Yero has been shown to kill on contact. A huge long list. Okay. So, see what you can do, and if you'd be so kind as to call back in a couple of months and let us know how you're doing, that would be useful and helpful and happy for everybody. Yeah, I will, because they also said there's a phenomenon called tooth resorption happening, and that's an autoimmune response, and that's happening on one tooth. So I don't know if that's actually linked to the perio disease or if it has to do with trauma to the tooth, because I'm otherwise healthy. Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions? Uh, not all the ones that you list in your herbal, but I'm doing a lot of red raspberry. That's it, but okay. Okay. I do not actually include red raspberry as a nourishing herbal infusion. Yeah, I'm using that for something else. Yeah, it's, okay. it's an astringent. It's fine. But I think comfrey infusion and nettle infusion would really help your body to to mineralize, and that will also help stabilize what's going on in your mouth. Great, because it's idiopathic because I don't have any other symptoms of anything. And then, you know, they told me this bizarre thing. I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Is my tooth eating itself? Holy. Holy moly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so comfrey. Infu- any other infusion? Comfrey leaf infusion, nettle leaf infusion would be two that would be very helpful to you at this point. Great. Awesome. Thank you so very much for your time. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 250 area code. Keith, I'm on the phone. Hi. 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 It's Anna Jameson. Hi. How are you? I am doing well. How about you? Good. I've I've been enjoying the show so far, and um, yeah, I w- I'm calling about Samuel, uh, uh, my youngest son, the 14-year-old with Down syndrome. Uh, he has uh, breathing issues where uh, he usually breathes through his mouth, and he wasn't doing that like I'd say. A year ago or so, like he, it's it's become worse. Um, and at night he sleeps with his mouth open. Um, and so we, um, the pediatrician recommended taking him to uh, ear, nose, throat specialist, and the ENT recommends uh, tonsils out, adenoids out. Excuse me, and tubes in the ears. Um, so I, I wanted to have your perspective on that, because um, uh, kind of think that surgery should be a last resort type thing. I'm somehow missing the problem. He sleeps with his mouth open. This is the problem. Well, he has. Breathing issues, like he'll he breathes. Um, he he has he breathes day and night with his mouth open most of the time. And I don't understand why this is issue. Oh well, the ENT said that his tonsils are huge, 
and if they were removed, then it might alleviate his breathing problem. I don't hear a problem. Okay. I have yet to hear a problem. A problem is something that causes pain. A problem is something that causes distress. Mm-hmm. Is he distressed? Well, um, no. He's pretty he happy, in pain. little boy. Sorry? Is he in pain? Uh, no, but he is. He does have labored breathing at night, and uh, she did say that if we didn't do something, it could affect his heart long-term because of the breathing. I don't know how that connection works, but... Understand that medical professionals are trained to Mm -hmm. tell you the worst possible thing that could happen. Even if it only happens 1% of the time, they're trained to tell you about that. If. But it's a big if. Mm -hmm. So... We are at a particularly tricky point in your child's life. It's called puberty. Yes. And this really shakes everything up. Up Oh, okay. Up until puberty, most people can keep a Down syndrome child at home and take good care of that child, even if that child has siblings who aren't Down syndrome. Oh, yeah, he has lots of siblings. Once that child is well into puberty, it becomes almost impossible to keep that child at home, especially if there are siblings. Why? Because sexuality has a lot of taboos around it, and Down syndrome children don't recognize taboos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. And I have had issues with him where he wants to hug too much, and, and I say, oh, hug, and, and, you know, it's good. You let go. And, it, and he's been fine about that. And he's 14, but by the time he's 16 or 17 and having erections, it's going to be different. Yeah, but he, can't he just do masturbation like other teenagers? <laughs> I don't know. But he'll do it in public, darling. Oh, okay. He doesn't, he's not going to be able to understand the taboos. Okay. And there are taboos. Mm-hmm. For sure. We want him to to behave respectfully of everyone. Correct. Mm-hmm. And it's not a personality failing. It's his hormones. Yeah. It would be like, you know, trying to teach a stallion. What sexual taboos are? Stallion will never learn what sexual taboos are. No, it's just, it's nature. Correct. And your child is heading into nature full force. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. There are wonderful group homes for Down syndrome children. Okay. Vicki Noble. Do you know Vicki Noble's work? The Mother Peace, I've heard of her. Yeah. Mother Peace Tarot, Shakti Woman, and she had a Down syndrome child. And when her Down syndrome child got to and then really into puberty, it was all up. She wrote a wonderful book called Up is Down for Aaron Apple about his childhood. He's now in a really lovely group home. He's in his 30s. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And she's very, very happy, and she sees him often. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was not possible for him to remain at home. That would kind of break my heart. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to break your heart. But yeah. better perhaps that I break your heart rather than your son breaks your heart in some way that's hard to retrieve. Mm-hmm. Food, lots of food for thought. <laughs> yeah. So part of what's going on with his breathing is, is that there are hormonal changes going on in his body. It may very well be that his tonsils are enlarged, and it might be that by using anti-infective herbs that you could reduce the size of the tonsils. Okay. Right. I'm really surprised that the doctor would suggest adenoid removal at the same time, even as you know, far back as the 60s, tonsillectomies and adenoidectomies were being separated, and they understood that um, even in cases where the tonsils were enlarged, it was better to leave the adenoids or to remove the tonsils and then wait and see if the adenoids mm-hmm. needed to be removed. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. What I always suggest that people do if they're looking at something which is going to ch- cause your child pain, and you always have to ask yourself, my child's not in pain now, and I'm going to suggest something that will cause pain and cause long-term pain. Yeah. 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 Um, that you, you really make sure that it's that something that that the child understands and that can go along with that. Yeah, he wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, 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 not that I know of. Yeah, I, 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 I hear you. He's, yeah, yeah, he's nonverbal, and we he okay. we sign. He does. Sign. I got it. Right. Um, well, let's just go back a little bit. Breathing through your mouth is how athletes breathe, and it's not a problem. Okay. In and of itself, breathing through your mouth is not a problem. Grossly enlarged tonsils can be a problem, but usually if they're a problem, they interfere with eating. Oh, yeah, he doesn't have that problem at all. So it's hard for me to believe that the tonsils are that big if there's no interference with his eating. Mm-hmm. And, of course, whenever we're looking at surgery, I think it's always critically important to get a second opinion. Okay. Now, if you're going to ask the doctor you already went to, for a referral for a second opinion, understand that that's not a second opinion no. at all. That's the first opinion again. 
Regurgitated, yes. <laughs> exactly, because they probably went to school together. Yeah. So at the very, very least, you know, choose another, the ENT, far away, or older or younger, or in some way very different. But even better, what would uh, somebody who does traditional Chinese medicine say about what's going on? Um, what would an I, osteopath say? To or me, a naturopath? To me, that's a more important second opinion because it really gives us a different story to listen to. Yeah. In other words, right now, the story that's going through your head is enlarged tonsils, and, you know, tonsils have to come out, adenoids have to come out. And whether you're concurring with the story or not, it's still the story that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. that's why I'm suggesting that a second opinion could bring a different story out. Okay. A naturopath as well? Or? Uh, well, a naturopath, if what you want to do is to spend a lot of money on supplements. Oh, okay. And I don't think supplements are going to do anything at all in this situation. As a matter of fact, as you probably know, I don't think supplements are ever worthwhile. And basically, no. naturopaths see themselves as doctors with green coats on who prescribe green drugs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, to me, it's not ideal. Okay. Now, there are individual naturopaths who are wonderful healers, of course, and I know quite a few of them. But it, just talking about it in general, um, I'm always actually much more worried about somebody going to a naturopath than a, a medical doctor because the things that the medical doctor tells you to take um, has to have a package insert, and the things the naturopath uh, tells you to take can have just as severe side effects, but there's no package insert, and the naturopath wasn't even trained to know what the side effects are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So t- a traditional Chinese medicine yeah. practitioner. No, okay. because what if, what if you're told, oh, your son has empty yin? And then we need to do this one. That's as I said. Now, now that's a very different story, isn't it? Yeah. Right. And my sense is that this is somehow connected to your son's puberty. Oh, okay. So why he would go through puberty? Oh, sorry. I go can't ahead. tell you exactly how or what, but that's the hit that I'm getting here. Okay. And once he would go through past puberty, it might settle down? Or, I don't but know. It I might could, get worse. I don't yeah. really know. Okay. And you were saying about anti-something herbs that could maybe and help as well. Herbs, if the tonsils are infected, if they're swollen because they're infected, then anti-infective herbs might reduce the swelling, right? Oh, they're, he's not, they're not infected. They're not infected. They're just enlarged. Yes. Interesting. That yeah. would that would even more so make it likely that it's just part of puberty then. Okay. Yeah, if he if it was an infection he would he would be in pain. He would right? probably have some pain, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and he doesn't have any of that. He's very ha- healthy otherwise. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your question. It's a good one. Oh, and and I'll get back to you one day. If, Wonderful. Yeah, I would appreciate it. Uh, how it works out. 
All Thank right. you so much, Susan. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Green blessings. Okay, right. I got, what, next 10 part. minutes for how many people? We have four callers, so if we don't get to you, please call again next week. And um, we'll get to as many as we can here. Here, okay. This caller is going from 212, area code. Is that me? Yes, it is. Susan, hi, it's Lauren. Hi, Lauren. I thought that was your voice. Hi, honey. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Love, love, I'm, love. Kisses, kisses. So many kisses. I'm so glad you spoke about Marie's memorial. When you were singing She Walks With Snakes, I was singing with you. Oh, yes. And boy, was I remembering her at the Wise Women's Center. I know that that the very first time I was there, it was uh, Samhain, and she was talking about the beginnings of menopause and the changes and the shifts and loss. And uh, Rebecca, I know you because I listen to this show. I know you don't know me, but I'm guessing as an apprentice that uh, both of us had the experience of her incredible support when she was here, when she was there. And I just... Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just so sorry um, about all this heartbreak that we're having in the the 60s and the 70s. A friend of mine also left a month ago, and I'm thinking about what you've been going through with Marie and Fern and how I feel about Marie, and I'm so glad that you've talked about her. Mm, Thank you. And... So here we are with our hearts breaking and getting bigger, and I just wanted to say that I love you so much, and I honor the love that you are in the world. Thank you, darling. Thank you so much. It means so much to me. Love, love, love to you. Love, love. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right, the next caller is coming from the 419 area code. Hello? Hi. Hi. Um, hi, Rebecca. Um, I have a few questions. The first one is uh, uh, my daughter has um, acne, and I would love to know what your first go-to Herb would be for that. And the arrow second... tincture sprayed directly on the face and then go to sleep. Oh, lovely. Lovely. I have that in my garden. <laughs> it's growing right now. Um, what color is it? What is it? What color is it? It's yellow? No. Is that the... No. You use the yellow. Okay, red. Why well, I need red? No. Then. White only. Okay. All right, thank you. Why is that? The red and the yellow are more closely related to tansy. They have large amounts of volatile oils that we don't want. They can be somewhat dangerous. Okay, thank you. My second question is... Plus, I'm talking about using the tincture. Okay, the tincture. The tincture of the flowering top. I usually make it in July. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That that will help. So at this point, you would probably want to buy it because she probably wants to use it right away. 
Well, of course, yes, but um, she is right now. She will not listen to what I what I have to say about anything. So we have the doctor had has put her on Accutane. Now I'm the I'm, doctor didn't put her on Accutane. The doctor wrote a prescription for it, and you bought it. <laughs> well, exactly. You're exactly the right. Didn't put her on I anything, feel like my, doctor. I, I, I feel like my. She agreed to take it. Yeah. Let's put the responsibility where the responsibility belongs. You bought it, and she's taking it. Right. The doctor wrote a prescription for it. You're not required to buy it, and she's not required to take it. Right. You are right. No doctor puts us on anything. And it's right there that we start to lose our power of health. And it's why I generally do not do secondhand consultations because what a waste of my time and your time for you to ask me for a remedy for somebody who doesn't want one. Mm, right. Right. I made an exception because it's a question that a lot of people ask and has a fairly simple answer, but I'm really annoyed that I did. And I'm annoyed with myself that I didn't just say, she wants an answer, she can call me. There are two more people waiting. Green blessings. Thank you, Susan. Good night. All right. The next caller is coming from the 716 area code. Hi, Susan. Hello. Um, Just to make this really quick, I experience a lot of stuck gas. Um, and when it moves, it's either through um, flatulence or burping. And when it's flatulence, I have to make sure I go to the toilet because what comes out is foamy frothiness like that's on the top of a carbonated beverage. Um, thoughts on what that could possibly be? Could you tell me a little bit about your diet? I eat yogurt every morning with slippery elm. I drink my nourishing herbal infusions, and I eat a whole food, broad spectrum diet, which is new because I was um, on a restricted diet, thinking I needed to do um, some gut healing. But now I'm 100% um, whole food, broad spectrum, nourishing diet, white okay. way. The slippery elm that you consume every morning, mm-hmm. do you need it therapeutically? I feel like I do because things that want to come out of me, whether it's the gas or stool, takes a long time. Um, and it's Bridge transit time from entrance to exit is 36 hours. That's normal and healthy. Um, I feel like I really have to go. Um, and I go back and forth to the bathroom to get a full 
complete bowel movement um, a handful of times in the morning. So when you say it takes a long time to come out, you don't mean hours. You mean like not that it's taking too many days, but that it's taking a long time to have a complete bowel movement. Yes. I, I, I'm going to guess, and it's just a guess, that this foaminess has to do with the Cipriome and that you're okay. perhaps taking in too much Cipriome. Okay. And that you might want to um, let that go for a while and mm-hmm. start working with dandelion or yellow dock, mm-hmm. a more liver-active herb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking very liver Yeah, focused. because it's sounding like your liver is not happy. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great. That is confirmation. Just the, yesterday I was like, my liver. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome, Green Blessings. You too. Bye. And should we try to fit in the last caller before the guest arrives? That's a with, short question. We can, we can do it. All right. It's coming from a private number. Hi, Susan. Hi. It's me again. I was the first caller, so I'm sorry. I, I'll be very quick. It's actually because I forgot to ask you one question related with the dairy, and that was that the naturopath has recommended to go dairy-free, and oh, that's why this Bony, forget it. Stupid. I would never do it. I, I would never do it. I just wanted to say the reasoning behind was, and that I just kind of called back because I think it could help other people, including myself, is that um, they're, they're saying that in the fat of all dairy, there's a lot of hormones. And because there was a small mass detected in my breast recently in an ultrasound, which I'm not getting biopsy, she's like, you need to stop dairy. You're, you're too gung-ho about whole dairy. And so I just wanted your closing thoughts on that. Organic dairy. Organic dairy is what I use, yes. Organic whole. Not loaded with hormones. It's not, right? And I don't think it is in the first place. I think that whole thing is wrong. It's against the law to use antibiotics or hormones in any Mm -hmm. animal that's going to be used for food in the United States. There's very strict laws, and those laws have been in place for over 50 years. Well, I think it's similar here in Canada. I just wanted um, to tell I, you. Yeah, you're in Canada. I don't know that you'll yeah. be an organic is definitely going to be okay. No, I, I get it from a very good source, and they don't use antibiotics or hormones. So I, right. but her premise was, no, no, there's always hormones in, in dairy. The cow secretes hormones because, you know, they're, they're supposed to be lactating when they give. So I was like, oh, okay. I, I heard it all, and so I just... The cow is secreting hormones, and one of the primary hormones that the cow is secreting is bovine growth hormone, and and growth hormone sells for hundreds of dollars in health food stores, and people take it as an elixir of youth. Yes. So there you go. You can get it for free from milk. You're wonderful, so thank you. I'll You're continue. Green blessings. Thank you. And I welcome to the show Phyllis Carreau. And if it's Karat, she'll let me know. She is one of America's first public witches and an elder Wiccan priestess. She's also an attorney. She became an outspoken advocate in the courts, the media, and in the interfaith movement. 
handling groundbreaking religious liberty cases for both witches and pagans. In fact, Jane Magazine named her one of the ten gutsiest women of the year, and she was inducted into the Martin Luther King Jr. Collegium of Clergy and Scholars, where she served as vice chair of the 2015 Parliament of World's Religions and created the historic inaugural Women's Assembly. Phyllis's trailblazing international best-selling books include her book of Shadows, which is a novel about her own life, and her latest book, Wicca, made easy, Awaken the Divine Magic Within You. Wicca was just released last November, and he has a companion online class coming soon and a 20th anniversary edition of her book on shadows will soon be available. And some of the exciting thing goes going on in Phyllis's life. She is working with artist Danielle Erb to create a new witch's tarot. Welcome to the show, Phyllis. Is it Caroe or Karat? Oh, either one. Well, generally, we say Curat, but we're not even sure how it's pronounced. It's, okay. Uh, I, will, I will go with you. You're the one. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> it's been a bit of a mystery. This much I know. If I see the name anywhere in the world, I know it's a relative because it was originally Norwegian. And then the family moved at some point to Canada. They were out west as well, but they were and they were in Michigan, but they came down through, through French Canada, and the name changed from a K uh, with an umlaut to a C. And so that little twist means if there's a curat out there listening with a C-U-R-O-T-T, we're, we're, rel- we're relatives. Wow, that's amazing, Phyllis. Oh yeah, my God. But nobody knows how to pronounce it, so, you know. Right, okay. <laughs> but I know how to pronounce weed because, <laughs> Susan, you have been around, like me, a really long time. And it's kind of amazing to me because I've always been aware of you and your work, and yet <clears throat> our paths never actually crossed in yeah, until now, I think. So I, I, I'm absolutely you know, so it's happy. really interesting because that's exactly what I was saying. I was sitting at dinner with my friend, and I said, why don't I know, why don't I know Phyllis? What's wrong with me that I don't know Phyllis? Yeah, it's funny. We've been doing funny. this well, work together for so long. What, well, how, come, how come we haven't been in the same place? How come we haven't had a cup of tea together? We'll have to remedy that soon. Yeah, we will. We absolutely will. We... we uh, and, and so here we go. We're we're remedying it, and, right. and we're and, you know better late than never. Um, but it's a darn good thing that we're doing it now. Um, we're crones. <laughs> we we started right when yep. like more than forty years ago with all this. So amazing. True. Remember Mary Daly in Boston? Yes, of course. God, of course. Right? Yeah. Uh, you were really active for a while, and then you disappeared from sight for, what, yeah. about 10 or 11 years? Yeah, yeah, was that, I did. Was that, like, um, 
that you weren't sure you wanted to be public, or was there? Do you want to talk about that time at all? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, it was really amazing, and probably. Uh, I'm not trying. No, no, not at all. I mean, it was know, a grand adventure. I'm and sometimes you. We're listening. It sounds like I'm being really pushy. But no, no, it's not a list of questions. It's okay. <laughs> no, no. It's, um, yeah, it's on the list of questions. It, it was, and it's important to talk about because, um, because you know, without the disappearance, um, I wouldn't have a reason to have come back. I, my, you know, my, my own life had um, just. I mean, it was just ex- really kind of magical and extraordinary that uh, the books I was was writing were doing really well. The I was all over the media trying to change the negative stereotypes. Mm, how'd you do with that? Well, you know, we did pretty well actually. Um, building yeah, bridges, think- trying trying to open um, people's perceptions and 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 banish you know all these negative stereotypes about witches and trying to explain that it's actually you know, a modern revival of the indigenous wisdom traditions of our ancestors. And um, it's doing pretty well. My personal life, however, though, hit uh, a wall, which, you know, balance in all things, right? So in a certain sense, it would, and you could sort of say it was to be expected. And my marriage ended, uh, my community that had been the, the source of, you know, so much joy, but also tremendous responsibility, fragmented. Um, Something I subsequently discovered was true with many, many Wiccan, pagan, witch traditions, which is a whole long subject, I think, about shifting models of of, uh, power and dynamics when you have um, female-centric, dynamics and people projecting mother issues and things of that sort rather than patriarchal hierarchies, you know, with a male figure who is the authority in charge. When you have these sort of more collective dynamics, they can be more volatile. I'm hoping that that changes over time. Um, But it all all happened at once. And... um, I took off for Italy, which had always been a very magical place for me, and um, began teaching over there, where my books had been uh, bestsellers. And, um, and it was always very potently magical for me. There was an energy in the land that um, was very eloquent and very um, empowering and, and full of magic. And I actually, after a number of years of teaching, decided to initiate some students and... Um, on the first night of this first initiation, in the middle of a stone labyrinth that we had created out in the, in the absolute rural countryside um, of Italy, there was a, an appearance. Um, I was making an offering silently and felt an energy emerge from the earth, something that I'm sure, Susan, you will relate to given uh, your wisdom traditions. And... Um, and it loomed up behind me in this extraordinary primal way. And, you know, for somebody who practiced core shamanism from the first appearance in the United States and, and witchcraft, you know, from very early on in the late 70s and on, you know, I was used to working with altered states and with energy and with 
um, spirits of place, but I had never felt anything quite like this. And there was no language. There was no um, framework. It was quite uh, startling <laughs> and um, profound. And a year later, um, when I went back to work with this group of students, the same group of initiates now, um, I was called the very first night I arrived to look at some photographs uh, on a computer. This was 2005, so before cell phones and everything had gotten so sophisticated. You know, it was quite a while ago before we were all so sophisticated with imagery and manipulation. And um, I was told, Venikli, Venikli, look, look, I want you to see this. And it was a photograph taken by a cell phone. And in the effort to try to identify the, the person sitting in the darkness in the middle of this candlelit labyrinth, um, my student had clicked to expand the image, which normally, right, would pixelate it more, fragment it. And instead, as she focused on my face, and my face came in to, you know, you could see me, over my left shoulder, a dark green smudge appeared, and she said, look, and she kept in Italian, and she kept clicking on the image. And as she did so, the face of the green man came into absolute sharp focus. Whoa. And yeah, it was a man, beard, middle, sort of, uh, kind of middle aged, brown eyes, pleasant face, but he was covered the top of his head, the sides of his face, down his neck, his, his shoulders. But out of his forearm, his forearms were human, crossed in front of his chest. And at the moment that we had, we were, it was like we were, had been struggling to make contact. And for me to overcome a certain amount of fear, because I'd never experienced anything like this, I was afraid to turn around and look. I was just sitting in the middle of this labyrinth, and I, and I felt this sort of connection. And then I heard the word protect. And I spent the next 10 years sort of pursuing what had happened. It's one thing when you go into non-ordinary reality, right? It's a, or you have a vision or you have a dream. It's another matter entirely when the energies come into our realms and reveal themselves. And so I went off on a quest in pursuit of the green man, and it led me around the world and finally back to my own garden, which I know you'll also really appreciate, and I'm sure your listeners will too, where I returned after a trip to Mexico where I learned a lot about um, Quetzalcoatl, who is um, also a green man, and um, came home, had been healthy the whole time, came home with a raging fever, sat in my backyard, and had an epiphany in which basically Mother Earth spoke to me and said, you know, all of my principles are, all of my laws are, are actually nature's laws and nature's laws are spiritual principles and everything lives according to my wisdom and my ways except humans you've forgotten and so everything is dying and she sort of proceeded to rattle through i heard her speaking these very simple principles about everything being in balance and everything being based upon reciprocity and everything being not just interdependent but interbeing and um and I and I wrote it down afterwards, and then I spent a very long time trying to see whether I'd hallucinated or whether it was true. And I spent a lot of time with nature, 
and um, a lot of time in my garden and in other gardens. And finally got what seemed to me the last piece of the puzzle, which actually was presented by a uh, biologist who um, was specializing in biomimicry, learning from nature, right? Another thing I know you're going to love, right? This, that, that, uh, that all the things that we need, right? We think that we need uh, toothpaste and, and uh, lenses and adhesives and bandages, everything we need as a species, not want, but need, has already been created by Mother Nature and better than the way humans do it. And she's giving this marvelous TED Talk. She got to the end, ran out of time, like I'm undoubtedly going to do in two seconds, right? <laughs> and um, asked for a few more, said I have to end, and said, I'd love to talk to you, but I'm at the end of my time. And they came out on stage and they did something they never do. They gave her extra time. And she said, well, and this is the 12th lesson that I've learned I call it nature's secret magic. And boy, did my ears perk up. And she said, we don't understand how it works, but we biologists who've been trying to learn from nature have discovered that there is this order in nature. There is this um, way in which nature works at, at the heart of its dynamic is that all li- what we found is that all living creatures, when they're taking care of themselves, when they're eating, procreating, recreating, evacuating, when they're dying, you know, when they are living lives in which they are taking good care of themselves, so they're happy, they're healthy, they're joyful, what we've discovered is that they are simultaneously making the world in which they live what human beings are calling ecosystems, and that dry term, but nonetheless, okay. The world in which they live, they're making the world in which they live a better place for all life. And it was like the last piece of the puzzle. And I heard that, and I said, it's time to go back to writing. It's time to go back to teaching. It's time to revisit the practices that I'd been taught 40 years ago. Um, it's time. It's time. We're running out of time. And um, and so I went back to writing and uh, started to try to write the Green Man memoir and um, spoke with my agent and checked to make sure she was still my agent because I hadn't written anything in 10 years. <laughs> I called her up and I said, mm, you still my agent? She's like, yeah. What did you have in mind? And I told her a longer version of that story and that I wanted to write a little book called The First Principles about nature's divine wisdom and um, that I felt I was almost ready to write that one. But I was certainly ready to write the story, the memoir, which is what Book of Shadows, my very first book, was the memoir of how I found myself in a coven of witches as a young lawyer in New York. And she said, okay, but, you know, your publisher for your last three books doesn't exist anymore, and uh, so where do you want to go? Who do you want me to take this to? And I said, I want want to go to Hay House. She said, that's a new age publisher. I said, yeah, but I think they're ready for witches' wisdom. And she said, okay. I said, okay. 
send me, send me, you know, a little proposal. I was like, oh, geez, I really have to pull this together. The next morning I opened my email. She hadn't called them yet because she was waiting for my proposal. I opened my email, and there was a note from the head of um, Hay House in London asking if I would write this little book with this terrible title, Wicca Made Easy, <laughs> for, their, for their series. They have this series of books written by people who are actually, you know, really sharp in their spiritual field. And um, they're, they're terrific little books. And they asked me if I would write one on Wicca. And I, I said, yeah, you betcha. <laughs> and I went back to work. And it's a, actually a, an introductory text, but it gave me a chance to revisit the second book I'd written, Witchcrafting, years ago, 20 years ago, and to revisit it from the perspective of you know, magic as what happens when we open ourselves to the divine that's embodied by the world in which we live, not just the shamanic realms, you know, the realms of spirit, when we when we shift consciousness and go into altered states of consciousness to perceive spirit forms and you know to get wisdom and healing and all the things that shamans do to talk to plants and learn you know but when we come back from that realm with the ability to see the sacred in this world embodied by the world that we're living in and um so it was and it was great to as a way to to get my writing chops back. And then they asked me to do the online course, which I agreed to do. And then they asked if I would do this new Witches Tarot deck, which I'm working on now with um, this marvelous hedge witch in London. You would love her. She's an herbalist. She got her master's in in uh, botany and wonderful. And a, just a gifted artist. She was good friends with uh, the Fruits. Um and so the the cards are full of of wise plants, healing plants, and plants that are appropriate. But we're doing it in a very different way. Instead of it being the traditional Rider Waite humanist people, uh, the Rider Waite is not traditional. It is incredibly eccentric to Tarot. Well. Yes, but so much of modern tarot is based upon the whole idea of Thank you, of oh. yeah, I, and I guess I would say that it's it's sort of the human view of the elements. Well, tarot doesn't have story cards, right? But this right away is the first deck that had story cards, and that's exactly defined right. tarot for and the modern era, but it can't be called traditional. Okay. And for, for Pamela Colin Smith, whose deck it is, it's not writers and it ain't weights, it's Pamela's. Yes, it is. The, the, the approach that we're taking, though, is not human stories using the elements as, as sort of um, the aspects of human nature and human beingness. But rather, we're journeying for every single card, which has been an extraordinary experience, directly to the elements to learn from them. And so it's, it's, it's quite different. It, it's essentially about its nature explaining itself to we blindfolded humans. 
as a way of rediscovering these lost parts of our natural selves. It's a deck of reconnecting to the divinity embodied by by Mother Earth. Wow. Um, and it's been amazing. It's been a, just a, a complete visionary experience and, and so fascinating to work with a partner who is simultaneously journeying. We have differences, but we have overlap and we see similar things and, or we'll see, you know, she'll see to a certain point and then I'll see the rest of it. It's been a huge amount of work, but, um, such a gift. So she's drawing. We, we both journey. We discuss, we analyze, we journey more, we journey again, we keep journeying until things are clear. And then she draws and I write and it's, um, going to come out. We hope we expect the uh, online course is July and then the, um, the deck will be out with Hay House um, next spring. spring, probably next, probably the summer solstice of next year. Mm-hmm. And um, well, how can we'll see how it's received? It's it's get different now and get your books now, right now, the ones that are out. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you, Phyllis? Are you such a doll? Um, the best way is just my website www.phyllisCurot. That's C-U-R-O-T-T. And if you spell it that way, you're a relative, and you better get in touch. PhyllisCurot.com. And the, you know, go to the website, and people can sign up uh, for the my list, and then we're able to correspond. And um, and you and I have to do that because I really want to have that cup of tea with you. Um, I mean, I've always respected what your work you were a pioneer and you continue to be one of the things that fascinates me is to see the things that were so revolutionary that you were doing and that i was doing and are now they're not mainstream but heavens it's so widespread don't you find absolutely do and it was interesting when you were talking about being in Italy. And when I was in Italy, I felt like I spent my entire time going, no shamano, shamana, shamana. <laughs> oh, yeah. right? Because yeah. shaman means woman. Yeah. You can't translate it shamano, which means man. Yep. You know, and it was like... Boy, they just kept looking at me, and they would, and my translator kept translating in shamano, and I'd like kick her. <laughs> yeah. And I said to her, "Look, every word I say is about females, unless I tell you otherwise." Okay. <laughs> well, you know, on one oh. level, they should they should get that right yeah, because Italy is the lap of the goddess. But on the other hand, it's a patriarchal culture. It's very stra- It's a, it's there's a lot of tension. I find there between those two things. It's really interesting. We very, very old. We do not have a lot of time left, but in the <laughs> short time that we have left, I would like you either to um, tell me um, a little more about how you think the witch stereotypes have changed or um, talk briefly, because we don't have a lot of time, about ethics in witchcraft. Oh boy, tough. I mean, I think it is. Yeah, the stereotype. I think. How about if I talk real fast and I try to do both? The stereotype is um, still there. You know, it still haunts us. Um, but now you have the Me Too movement, and you have this next generation, some of whom have like over embraced it. You know, um, and have kind of missed the point. There's this whole 
stripping away of the spiritual aspect of witchcraft. Oh, it's just a craft. You know, oh, it's just about intention and willpower. Well, no, that's not witchcraft. That's esoteric magic. That's patriarchal manipulative magic. And that's not what witchcraft is really about. Um, so, you know, so there's a need for crones like us to say, you know, you're only at level one and you need to keep going. And part of the reason you need to keep going is the ethics of witchcraft. One of the things I hear is, oh, you know, we don't believe in that. And if you want to hex, you can hex. And, you know, once again, you know, a sort of limited patriarchal notion that is not, um, it hasn't developed, it's not matured yet. Keep practicing and you'll get there. When you get there, what you find is what real magic is. Magic is what happens when your heart opens and your mind opens and the energy of the universe, the source of creation, creation itself, the divine sacred energy of creation, which is the manifested in the web of life, flows into and through you and into the world. And that's what real magic is. It's not something that you do to manipulate or control or gratify your ego or get, you know, um, some instant goodie by pulling on a lever. It's not mechanical. You're not dealing with an inanimate universe. You know, that's just a continuation of the old patriarchal model of domination and control. And it's alienated. When you really practice this, you come into communion with the truth of the world in which you live, which is that it is the embodiment of the divine, everything. It's all interconnected. And that changes how you view yourself and how you live and the way in which you live and the ethics with which you live. You're living in a sacred world. And so how does one live? You seek to live in a sacred manner, right? Treating the rest of life, the plants, the animals, each other with reverence, with respect, with gratitude, and by pay att paying attention, I think, with humility, paying attention to all of the lessons that nature has to teach us that we have forgotten because of our hubris, right, and because of our infatuation with our consciousness and patriarchy and all this bullshit. Am I allowed to say that <laughs> on the radio? Can I use that curse word? Yeah. Um, it's blog talk. You're allowed to yeah, say okay, that. good. And ultimately, I think, you know, I, use the practices and the blindfold comes off and you become a witch, a witcha. It, was a, it meant a wise one, a seer of the sacred, a shaman. That's what it was. The word is almost 7,000 years old. It goes back to the Proto-Indo-European, and that was shamanism. And when you practice this properly, um, that's what you see. The blindfold comes off, and you realize it's not about manipulating or using. Um, it's not about control or power over. It, it's uh, not about quantum mechanical manipulation either. <laughs> it's about reverence and communion with the sacred and rediscovering what are places in the web of life before it's so destroyed, you know, and tattered that it can no longer support life. We have a lot of work to do. I'm I think I think one reason that there are so many witches now, I you know, initially it, it's that, but it's that we are called by Mother Earth now at this time. Yeah.
And so we need to say goodbye because, as you know, on blog talk shows, they just don't give you any extra time. Phyllis Caro, find her at phyllisCaro.com, www.phyllisCaro. You will find her book of shadows, her older book. You will find her new book, Wicca Made Easy, and soon you will find her online course, um, and anniversary edition of Book of Shadows and the new Witches Tarot. Phyllis, it has been so wonderful having you on. I apologize for not having a longer slot. I could listen to you for a lot, lot, lot longer. There's lots more things that I would love to talk to you about. But yes, let's take ourselves up on um, seeing how we can get together and have a cup of tea together. Thank you so much for being here to help reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And thank you, Rebecca, for being such a wonderful partner with me in returning herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And thank you all, listeners. Green blessings to each and every one of you. Green blessings. Green blessings, Phyllis. Green blessings, Rebecca. Green blessings, Justine. Green blessings to you, Susan. Thank you. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.